Are you thankful for technology? I thought there for a while I was going to apologize on Chad's behalf because uh, he promised scenery that he was unable to deliver, but because of technology, we have a little bit of it here. So we're thankful for that. And you don't just have to look at me. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. I have a friend that is sick. He is terminally ill. Uh, for that reason, he will die because of his sickness. He's been told that he's sick and that he will die because of the sickness, the illness that he has. And he refuses to believe it. He refuses to believe that he's sick. And therefore, for that reason, he refuses the cure that's been offered for his sickness. He can be made well. He can be made whole. But because he refuses to believe that he's sick, he has rejected the cure. And so, for that reason, he's going to die. I think he refuses to believe that because the symptoms very rarely show up in his life. And when those symptoms do show up, he's very quick to dismiss them and, and play them off like it's some other unrelated matter or reason in his life. And so he refuses to believe that he's sick. If, I, if he was up here with me this evening and you were looking at him, you wouldn't know that he was sick. He doesn't look sick. He doesn't look frail, as a lot of you know, very sick, terminally sick people do. He's not sickly looking. Though you can look at some people that are terminally ill and you can, you can just guess by the way that they look that they're sick, that they're ill, and that they're dying because he doesn't look like that. He doesn't act depressed because he doesn't believe he's sick. He hasn't lost his appetite. He still eats a lot and eats fairly healthy. He just refuses to believe that he's sick. He's got lots of energy. He's athletic. He likes to do a lot of things. He's a fun person to be around. Very active. And what's so different about this lesson tonight is my friend is here. He's here at first session. You may have met him. He's played volleyball already. It's probably a game of Newcomb also. As an athletic person, he, he enjoys playing basketball. I'm sure that You'll see him on the, uh, doing archery or air riflery. I imagine he will go fishing sometime this week or go on a nature hike, and you may be on a hike with him. I don't know. I would guess that he's going to go after the Bible Award and get that. Probably even work hard enough, maybe even encourage you to be 
master camper. He's bright. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's witty. But he still refuses to believe that he's sick. And for no reason, as we just said, he's rejected the cure that could save him and make him well. I know you're probably wondering how can you talk about your friend that is here like this in front of everybody and kind of call him out. Well, I don't say these things about my friend because, uh, or you know, to embarrass him. I don't say these things to shame him. I say these things because I love this person and I want this, the, the fact of his sickness, I want it to be brought into the light. If you have not put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ to save you, or you have put your faith in something other than the finished work of Jesus Christ to save you, you are my friend that I just described. You're dying. You don't have a physical illness, so you don't look sick. You have a spiritual sickness, and it's called sin. And it has separated you from the one, the only one, that has the cure. Let me tell you about another sick individual. We read about this man in John chapter 5. Jesus comes across this man that has been sick for 38 years. That's a long time. I know that. I'm 38 years old. <laughs> He's been sick as long as I've been alive. And Jesus comes across this man. Here's what we know about him. We know he's sick. The Bible tells us he's paralyzed. For that reason, he's probably, he's a beggar because he can't rely on himself. He's got to rely on everybody else to take care of him. And so for that reason, I would guess that he's uh, frail-looking, that he looks sick. I would guess that he's probably malnourished. I would guess that he's probably dirty. He's a beggar, okay? And so as he's sitting there, he's gotten accustomed to people taking care of him and him relying on other people, okay? And so beggars, the only way that they could have any help is, is what? They, they beg for it, right? And so as people would walk by, he's not used to people looking at him because if, if people walk by and made eye contact with him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to talk to them. He's going to beg. And he's going to ask. And in that sense, then they're going to feel compelled to do something. So the best thing to do is just ignore him and walk by and not look, but not Jesus. Jesus walks by this guy. And I, you know, sometimes I, when I read the Bible, read these accounts, I, I like to to think of things that aren't in the account, okay? Things that the Bible doesn't tell us. I like to assume some things. I almost picture Jesus kind of walking up to this guy, and he's kind of walking around him, and, and he's looking at him, almost to the point where the guy begins to feel uncomfortable because nobody's paying this much attention, okay? 
And so Jesus walks up to this guy, and the other thing I like to do is I like to think about and imagine how Jesus says things, okay? I like to imagine you read somebody whose, whose words are in Scripture. I like to imagine how they said them. And so I imagine that Jesus comes up to this guy, and Jesus doesn't say, do you want to be made well? And just like it's not a big deal. I think Jesus comes up to this guy, and he looks at him and he says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to really be made well? Almost implying that the guy doesn't really want to be made well. That he's, he's comfortable in relying on others and putting his faith in others. Okay? So Jesus comes up to this guy and he says, Do you want to be made well? And this guy's sitting here. That's all we can do. All we can do is sit here. And his answer to Jesus, I don't understand it. Because I imagine myself, if I've been sick for 38 years and couldn't walk, and I had problems because of it, I would say, yes, yes, I want to be made well. I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to work for myself. I want to be able to provide for myself. I want to be able to take care of my family. Yes, I want to be made well. You know what he says? He says, sir, how can I? When, I want to, when, when the water is stirred and I want to be put in, in, into the pool, someone goes in before me. How can I? He's having pity on himself. He's putting his faith in others. And so this man, his answer tells me one of three things about him. Maybe all three just describe him. Number one, he doesn't know who Jesus is. It's a possibility. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't know the power of the man that's speaking to him. Number two, he's lost all hope of ever being made well and healed. Number three, he doesn't want to be made well. I think one of those three things, if not all three of them, describe this individual. And so Jesus looks at him and he commands him, rise up, pick up your bed, and walk. And immediately, immediately, he was made well. He didn't have to learn how to walk. He didn't have to crawl for a little bit. He didn't have to work out and stretch his legs. Immediately his legs were made strong and at the power and the authority of Jesus' words, he got up and he walked. Immediately. A little bit later in the text, Jesus comes back up to him and I imagine Jesus kind of pointing at him and saying, see, you are well. You are well. Sin no more so that nothing worse will happen to you. Implied in those words is the reason this man was sick is because of bad choices that he made. It's possible that he was paralyzed for 38 years because of sinful choice after sinful choice after sinful choice and finally his sins caught up with him and he bore the consequences for the next 38 years. 
Also implied in Jesus' statement is Jesus says, see, you're wrong. You're wrong now. Now you have a responsibility. Don't sin anymore. You need to live like you are well. See, you are well. Go live like you're well. That's what Jesus said. Like this man, some of you are sick. Not all of you. Some of you are sick. And it's because of your sin. Your sin has destroyed your life. Your sin has destroyed, perhaps, a relationship that you had with your parents. And they're hurting for you. Maybe your sin has destroyed a relationship that you had with your brother or sister. Maybe your sin has ripped your friendship apart with one of your very best friends. Maybe none of those are the case. But I can promise you one thing. Your sin has destroyed your relationship with the only one that can save you. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Your sin has separated you from God. The only one that can make you well. And so if you're one of those, and you have this right, if you want to choose to not believe that you're sick, if you want to choose to not accept the cure that Jesus Christ offers, you have that right. You have that prerogative. You do not have to choose Jesus Christ. But the Bible compels me to warn you about this. Paul says it this way. The wages of your sin is death. And because you were sick, because of your sin, you will die. And it is a payment that you can pay. You can pay that. But you will pay with it for your life for eternity. There will never be a time that God will come to you and say, your payment is, you've paid enough in full. It's over. That won't happen. If you choose not to follow Jesus Christ and walk with Him, you will pay with it for eternity with your very own life. You can do that. But I would encourage you, don't make that choice. I want to discourage you from making that choice. But if you're one of the ones, maybe you fall in this category, you've lost hope that you will ever be made well. Or maybe you're one a person who does not know who Jesus Christ is. Whichever of those three things, categories that you fall into, I want you to listen up because there are some things that you need to know. Number one, God loves you. The eternal God of heaven, the creator of all things, loves you. The one who caused the rain to fall today loves you. The one who caused the thunder to rumble and the lightning to strike, he loves you. The one that when you walk out here that grew all of these trees, the one that will cause the sun to rise in the morning, the one that will allow your body to sleep tonight, the one that will allow you to breathe as you sleep tonight, loves you. The reason 
the birds sing, he loves you. John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world. Whether you believe it or not doesn't negate the fact that the eternal God loves you more than you will ever know. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 tells us about the great love with which God loves us. We can never fully understand the depth of the love that God has for us. But not only does God love you, but He has showed you, number two, how much He loves you. He sent His Son to save you. The rest of John 3.16 will say it again, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Paul wrote it this way, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. eternal Son of God. And I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. I don't know how it took place. The Bible just tells us it's something to marvel at. The God that is not bound by time 2,000 years ago left heaven and came into this world to die for you. He did not account, he did not count equality with God, something so important, so great, that he was not willing to come to this earth and look like you and I, live like you and I, to purchase your salvation. Number one, God loves you. Number two, God loves you so much that he sent his only son. And number three, you can, you can be made well. You can be saved. It's possible because the Bible says so. It's possible because God made it so. You can't do it, but God can and He has. And my most favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Again, I don't know how God did it. All I know is to marvel at it. For your sake, or for our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. For me, for my sake, for your sake, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. In other words, he did it so that you can be made well. You can be saved. You know, I've heard people say, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sin you're hiding. It doesn't matter what you've had in your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. Another one of my favorite passages, Psalm 103 and verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove your sins. When do those two ever touch? When does the east ever meet the West. It doesn't. Just as Jesus told that man in John 5 to rise up and to walk through the Spirit, Paul writes that it's in baptism that we die with Christ, that we are buried. And you know the rest of that? We are raised to walk a new life. Romans 6 and verse 4. 
God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son. You can be saved. And then number four, a saved person wants to walk with Jesus. A saved person wants to walk with Jesus. John wrote in 1 John 2 and verse 6, Whoever abides in him ought to also walk as he walked. In other words, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to be like Jesus. Galatians 2 and verse 20, it's a song that we sing that you probably know from when you were very little. I've been crucified with Christ, so with me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can live as Christ because Christ is in me. I can be a light like Christ because that light is in me. I can follow Christ and be like Christ because God is in me. When I obey the gospel. Paul said, Philippians 1 and verse 21, for me to live is Christ. Paul didn't know any different. If you met Paul, you met Jesus Christ. And I hope the same can be said for us. When someone meets me, I hope they can walk away saying, I met Jesus Christ in him. I hope they can say the same for you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son for you. You, because of that, you can be saved. And number four, a saved person wants to walk with Jesus. Do you want to be made well? In this book, you have a copy of it. Jesus is asking you the same question that he asked that man in John chapter 5. Do you want to be made well? If you want to choose Jesus and be made well, you have to get up out of your sin. You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ through obedience, and then you've got to walk the rest of your life with him. That's not too much to ask, considering the price that he paid for you. Do you want to be made well?